Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities. And our hope is that we inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So, without any further ado, I'm Sam. And I'm Piper. And welcome to World Forge. everybody welcome back to world forge we are at it again yes we are you can't stop us yeah. you keep trying to stop us and we just won't stop Knox, nah, we're like yeah. gotta gotta create gotta do something <laughs> with all this energy we've we've got the itch and uh the only solve for that itch is to get on the air yeah podcasting baby podcast in front of you all yeah in front of the world so um, here we are yeah we're here and we're doing <laughs> it gross um, analogy <laughs> but we're not doing it alone we have a special guest with us again we have this a week. very special guest with us this week uh kara who are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Kara Harris at Kara A. Harris Book on Twitter, and I am the one of the co-creators of what, what I what we're calling Hollowed Kingdoms, which is a fifth edition Dra- Dungeons and Dragons setting with its own custom races, weapons, and subclasses, and even more based on the Hollow Knight series. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody loves Hollow Knight. It's so it's good. It's amazing. Yeah. We're it's we're sitting amazing. here actually like ten feet away from a really cute little Hollow Knight <laughs> plushie that Piper got me for Christmas. Uh I actually have my plushie too. I my boyfriend gave it to me for <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Great minds think alike. It's great. Clearly. I, I think... Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I love that... So Hollow Knight is such a cool universe because I think it really toes the line between adorable and horrifying in a really, really interesting way. Oh, yeah. I, a lot I love it. Just yeah, it's like a little bit of Elder... So incredible. Cute, but also Elder Tor at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, do you want to take a second and kind of talk about what your you know thought process is behind... I mean, what is it that you're doing with the a Hollow Knight sort of series i mean wh- what are you aiming for and what are you, what are your kind of plans for this uh supplement well my first and foremost plan is to get a player player's guide out and speaking of player's guide this is a world forge exclusive and a grand Ooh. premiere and oh, i would boy. like you'll say i'm gonna message you on twitter but this right here is the official cover for the hollow kingdoms player's guide Ooh, okay. So we're getting some advanced sneak preview art for uh, for the supplement that you're working on. I'm very excited to see that. Yeah, I can't uh, wait too. Yeah, I just I messaged it to you, so you should be able to see it. Whoa. Okay. Uh, this is sick. Uh, I'm looking at this right now, and show me the screen. I'm showing Piper. The the Ooh, listeners are fun. really yeah enjoying us just fawning. Yeah, over this don't worry. This will be posted medium. along when the actual <laughs> podcast gets posted. So this will be at the same time. For sure. This was made. This is made by one of my friends who is at Art Sapphire. Sapphire a so it's like art then S A P H I R. She's an amazing artist who absolutely loves Hollow Knight as much as me, and she's also up for commissions right now. She is taking any commissions mm, especially awesome. if they're hollow knight related commissions it seems because this is like spot on for yeah. the the 
kind of tone and the aesthetic of the, the game. So that's really, really I cool really like the uh, the yellow jacket looking character. Yeah. Or maybe it's a bee, but yeah, yeah they look very it's cool. A bee. It's, yeah. supposed, it's supposed to be a bee, but it's one of the player races that's going to be in the guide. We have 14 nice. character races right now, and that's going to be our starting amount, <laughs> even though my boyfriend made. Like, at the beginning, it was so funny. Because this all started when I wanted to do a one-shot for Hollow Knight with my own group. So I was like, well, I don't want to reinvent the wheel, so let's see what other people have for it. <laughs> and I started looking around, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's hardly anything about Hollow Knight on the on the interwebs. This is this is sort of a shame. So my boyfriend, who is way better at D&D math than I, started making some races, <laughs> and... Like, the seven races that we were going to do for just our group became, like, 30. And then I had to tell my boyfriend, it's like, man, we're only making, like, a small booklet. We don't have to make that much. And then he was like, wait, I thought we were making a player's guide. And I was like, do you want to make a player's guide? And, I was like, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, we're making a player's guide. So, and that's how the like kingdom was I'll... born. <laughs> I feel like that's how so many creators kind of start is they're like, oh, I'm just going to do this simple little thing for my own purposes. And then, you know, your ambition gets the better of you and it turns into this huge epic project that, you know, that that's I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that. Um, and we're just saying yeah. sort of, you know, your your eyes are a little bit bigger than your stomach, so to speak. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the greatest thing was like I had. Plenty, I have many artists and friends, like the one you see here for the cover, help mm-hmm. like help me, and some of them actually help me with the lore of some of them. And I'm actually another little plug in right here. I'm actually once this is posted on Monday, I am. We're also looking for more artists to help it with the characters and along with other like little things. Like we're looking for a background slash environment artist. We're looking for people to submit their Hollow Knight OCs that are like just the player races but there's definitely going to be more races long term it's just right now we're just trying to get this one player book up and then we're also looking for full illustrations and then additional art very cool that's cool so definitely a lot of space for people to come in and if you want to get involved in a a creative project that's already kind of off the ground a little bit if you're looking to write if you're looking to draw if you're looking to do whatever this might be a fun little side project for any of our listeners who are wanting to maybe help somebody else out uh that would be really really cool stretch your creative muscles a little bit i really like the um, kind of organic uh way that all of these sort of like crowdsourcing projects just kind of naturally emerge like if enough people are interested in the same thing it's kind of like hey i need an artist a writer someone who knows math and everyone's like hey i got some of that (laughs) they all come in together to make this thing happen that's really cool absolutely so i I guess you know maybe we should plug that one more time if people wanted to get in touch with you to maybe help with this project where uh can people find you most easily they can find me most easily either on my twitter which is again at kara a harris book or they can go to the official Hollowed Kingdom, Kingdoms Tumblr page at hollowedkingdoms.tumblr.com. Perfect. So cool. a couple of cool ways if you want to get involved with this, please consider it. Um, we are huge fans of Hollow Knight, and we just love to see any additional Hollow Knight content that we can. So we're kind of in your corner here rooting for this to to work out really well for you. I'm very, yeah. very excited to see it. We, we've seen yeah, some of the cool too. previews you've sent us. Yeah. It's a, like you mentioned before about like how crowdsourcing things and how that all comes together. It's sort of, that's how I sort of was inspired to ask other people because I've seen so many of my friends post their friends are on the 
and they're all about Hollow Knight. I was just like, it'd be really cool to try to get fan art that like people are familiar with already in this book, if possible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There are a few artists that I follow on DeviantArt who have created uh, Hollow Knight OCs, and they all look incredible. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's really fun to see what people come up with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I, I think kind of on that note here, you know, talking about trying to adapt uh, existing properties to a you know a D and D setting. We have a topic this week that I think allows us to sort of play in that space a little bit in a really fun way. Uh, what we're going to be doing this week is actually between the three of us building our own Dungeons and Dragons party. Mm -hmm. And what we'll be you know, the way that we'll be doing that is we'll be assigning a random class and a random alignment to each of us, and kind of going into this with the expectation that we want to be trying to draw on. You know, inspiration from, you know, video game characters who think are cool, movie characters who think are cool, uh, characters from TV shows and books and really anything that we think is worth drawing inspiration from. We want to sort of talk through our process and, and cool traits and where we're getting those ideas and, and concepts from. So uh, we're going to just each of us create our own thing. We're going to talk about how these three characters, you know, met, maybe give a brief little story about the, you know, the type of adventure they'd go on and sort of establish the dynamic between them. Um, because, uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of times the party composition really can do a lot to drive the story forward, right? Um, we've designed this in such mm -hmm. a way that it may be the case that we end up all getting the exact same class. And, you know, what do you do when, when three rogues get together trying to solve a problem? It's very different than when three paladins get together trying to solve a problem. So there are a lot of really, really fun sort of obstacles uh, and benefits you can get from these different group dynamics. So that's something that we definitely want to try and explore and, and touch on today. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, um, you know, we always try to take the a moment at the top of the show to talk about some fun examples of, you know, whatever concept it is that we're talking about. Uh, do either of you have any sort of fun stories from D&D &D games that you have played in the past where there was an interesting party dynamic that, you know, or, or something that went really crazy because of the party composition that you think would be fun to share with the uh, audience? Guess first. <laughs> <laughs> well it me in particular it happened most with this one character where to get a little background me and my friends have been playing dungeons and dragons for a long time and this particular person was actually my first dm and he likes being very much homebrew but he also likes being a little he doesn't like combat that much so so I was very interested seeing this was going to be my first like small campaign. Like I was doing the starter. I was I got the little starter guide for GMing box and I this was going to be my first GM session ever. And so my players wrote up these characters and one he was a kobold. He was a kobold named Yum Yum. And those are the bird people, right? <laughs> no, kobolds are the no, little no. dragon monster guys, yeah. Oh, okay. They're little like, lizard people he... that like worship dragons often. Yeah. Mm, fun. Yeah, and he was a cleric, and he... First thing that happened where it was me inexperienced as a GM, he came up to me and was like, hey, this is really late notice, but can I have a... I think it's called Amateur Staff of Necromancy? And <laughs> I was like... Sure, it's like amateur. I shouldn't do much. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the kind of thing that like yeah. any inexperienced DM hears that request and they're like, what are you up to? <laughs> you, you're like fly, red yeah. flag should be going up. <laughs> yeah, but because that. of how the item sounds like, eh, 
this is my first campaign. This tour is supposed to be fun. I'm just going to yeah. allow it. And then, <laughs> and it was really fun because my boyfriend was playing a bard and he's very much outgoing and stuff. He was Don Diego de la Vega and he was a lion person. <laughs> he had like a very short maid too and he was very insecure about it. And so Aww. he became Yum Yum's hype man. And in the starter guide, okay, a little bit of spoilers. You get ambushed by goblins, and once you defeat the goblins, they run away, and you are going to go investigate or go to the town. They chose to investigate, and, and Yum Yum's person, whose name, we just call him Bambi, Bambi asked, well, can we bring the cart with us because we were holding this cart? And I was like, sure, you can if you want to. And so they brought the cart along with us, and... It, they couldn't bring it into the cave, but they all, but later in the campaign, they came to this like crumbling castle where the gates were blocked and stuff, and there is a lot of these bugbears and goblins coming at them, and Bambi's like, I'm going to run, run over them with the cart. Now I'm like, nice. excuse me? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, can I do that? I mean, if you could roll it, and he rolled, and he was able to do it, and I had to, I had to look through the, I had to look through, he's like, okay, so how much, so what's a charging thing from two oxen, what's the speed of the wagon, how much damage that would cause, he pretty much, he made, pretty much in one move, killed two-thirds of the, of the people attacking them. Hey, that's resourceful, way to go. Well, and I feel yeah. like this is an experience that most DMs have, is, you know, when, when new players come in and they say, well, what can I do in this game? And you tell them anything and they push the boundaries of anything, you know, mm -hmm. in, in a way like that. If you end up seeing a, you know, seeing a cart off in the distance, they're going to take advantage of the fact that there's a cart there and they're going to try to use it to shove a bunch of people off a cliff or run a bunch of people over or whatever. I mean, I, I think that's an important experience for any DM to have, to have a malicious player come in and just try to break your game. It makes me think of that sketch from Key and Peele where um, the one <laughs> guy invites his kind of ghetto cousin to join in on D&D &D, and the dude's like, yeah, so I kick down the door and like 20 naked women fall out and I bang all of them. Him. And then I pull out my Glock, and he's like, "No, no, you don't have these abilities." And all the other nerds are like, "No, wait, I love this. I also pull out my Glock." <laughs> it's like, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, again an, a formative a, experience for most D and D players. <laughs> yeah, it was very much a very test of my my reaction to react as a GM. And I knew like Bambi was my previous GM. He was experienced, but I didn't know how. He was chaotic in his games. I was like, well, he'd probably be toning it down a little bit for my game since I'm a beginner. Nope. <laughs> he no. went full player. <laughs> he went full player, and Yum Yum became became the hero of that village. And for then sure. later came and then later came back for an all cold balls campaign that my boyfriend was running, and he got his name known. And he became Yum Yum the hero. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think sometimes that can be one of the biggest rewards for a player is, you know, not necessarily a golden, fiery plus two sword of might or whatever, but just having notoriety in the world, you know, having your deeds recognized, I think is a really, really great and kind of often forgotten way of rewarding your players right um it's easy to oh, sort yeah. of say well yeah gold and experience and treasure is the most important way to validate your deeds but sometimes it's really nice to just say well now you're known as yum yum the hero or mm -hmm. you know or something like that yeah, that can be really really fun yeah 
it's just amazing like what characters can you can come up with like another little example that from that cobalt campaign was my character which Nick did an interesting thing. I, I forget what it's exactly called, but basically Matt Mercer put out a random cobalt maker. And, <laughs> and we we're like, okay, roll, see what these, see what you get. That's your character. And one night when I was after law class, I, I remember the next night I would have to do that camp- campaign. I was like, oh, shoot, I got to roll this. Uh, Sarah, who's actually my air editor, <laughs> for the Hollow Kingdoms <laughs> campaign. She, I was like, Sarah, I'm going to give you a couple numbers. Pick from these numbers, and we can get this done. She, she was like, okay. <laughs> and she actually made up the name, too, because I was like, oh, shoot, how, what am I going to name this? And she was like, how about this? And I'm like, okay, that'll work. So my kobold was named Chad Booth. Very nice. <laughs> and he I feel like a... we definitely had like creations like that on our show yeah, before, just too, like, where it's like, yeah. all right, your name is Cheese, uh, and go with it. Totally. Like, that, that, I, yeah. I had a friend of mine when I was playing... Uh, Back in like the early 2000s when I was playing EverQuest Classic a lot, he was really bad at coming up with names for characters. So anytime he had to name someone, he would literally just look around the room and he'd go, oh, there's a can of Mountain Dew. What's the first thing it says on there? Fluid ounce? Sure. So, you know, he had like a monk named Fluid Ounce or whatever. Or he had a, I think he had a warrior, a fighter named Lipids or something. Like he had all kinds of weird, dumb names for things because he just, that's like the hardest thing about making a character in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Chad Boot is not the silliest name that I've ever heard for a character. I think it's actually kind of fitting for a kobold if it was going to be for anything. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's Mr. And he, Boot. Yeah, Mr. Boot, and he was a gunslinging pyromaniac with, who slung bombs. He was like Junkrat nice. from Overwatch. Of course, of course. <laughs> I, I, I think um, that's a good example, too, of the kind of, you know, maybe you weren't intentionally being inspired by Junkrat, but probably subconsciously there was a small piece of you that was like, well, yeah, weird, scrappy little monsterish man that throws bombs. Yeah, and he, and is, you know, yeah what I rolled was things, like yeah. he was arrogant and thought very highly of himself. And then I decided I wanted to be a gunslinger and I saw you could shoot little fire ammo and I was like, Ooh, what it would be like little bombs and stuff. And he was also overpowered too, but not because Chad Du not only had wings, but he had web fingers and he had digging claws. So he could not only fly, but he could dig and swim. Wow, dang. <laughs> He's like an all-terrain vehicle. Yeah, exactly. The all-terrain kobold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, that actually, that kind of reminds me. So the, the little bomb thing reminds me of a, I, I think I maybe talked about this once in the show before, how I ran a campaign. This would have been maybe eight or ten years ago at this point for my brother, previous guest on the show, friend of the show, friend of me. Uh brother of me uh mm-hmm. he and a couple of friends of ours we ran a session that was uh, the idea behind it was i wanted to make a really high-powered game right away because we, at, at the time mm-hmm. i had started a lot of campaigns that we'd gone you know level like one to three and then the groups had kind of fallen apart or people had moved away or we never really were able to carry something on to sort of the epic level of combat that we all were really kind of thirsty for and so i said mm-hmm. you know what let's screw it let's just make a campaign that we all start at like level 10 or something like that. We're all super powerful. I encouraged everyone to play races and classes that were not from the core list. They were from, you know, the monster manual, monstrous characters and, and mm-hmm. weird subclasses that people had never experienced before. And what my players came up with, I, I, a lot of them were really, really interesting creations. And my brother specifically, he played as 
a half celestial rogue that instead of hiding in the shadows, he had these sort of little flash bombs that he'd throw. And every time he'd throw one, it would blind whoever he was near. And it was effectively like he had, you know, he had slipped into the shadows. And so he could sort of jump from points of light instead of jumping from points of shadow, which I thought was a really, really clever and interesting twist on that particular class. And he was paired up with, I think, like a bugbear barbarian, um, and a, a little gnome that uh, piloted an automaton that was like a, a little like artificer. And there was a, a bunch of really, really interesting, totally different, totally way weird out there classes that it made for a very interesting party dynamic. And especially so because kind of the focus behind this campaign was that it was supposed to be sort of a tournament of the gods. And the gods were like, we're going to pull all of these powerful mortals up into the heavens and we're going to make them complete these challenges and fight for our amusement. And whoever comes out of this on top becomes the next god. And so the idea was that at the end of every mission, there would sort of be this kind of battle royale and one of them would die and then everybody else would kind of move on. And uh, this was a very interesting format that we'd set up. And it was, I I think, something that I'm shocked that it worked as well as it did for as long as it did, because, um, (laughs) you know, character death can be – we had to be careful that if we were doing something really, really fun, we didn't want people to suddenly feel like – you know, well, now I just don't get to be a part of this anymore, you know? And so we wanted it to, we wanted it to be important for people to play to their characters and not just act like it didn't matter because they could die at any moment. Mm -hmm. So balancing that connection to the story, but also making sure there was an understanding that you may just not be able to play again after this session uh, was really, really difficult. Um, and, And I think as a result of that very unique format of play we got a lot of really really unique play experiences so i i oh, look yeah. back on that as one of my favorite kind of party compositions and D experiences that was really really fun absolutely yeah. wow yeah yeah i agree that's Hyper- really cool i'm just curious though are yeah. like what do you do you allow a lot of homebrew in your campaign all like, we do is homebrew, homebrew. yeah we're pretty much 100% homebrew in, in our game. I mean, we, you know, we play like core races and classes and stuff, obviously, but our stories and our, our games are all homebrew mm-hmm. for the most part. Our, yeah. you know, if somebody comes up to us with a weird suggestion that we think will sound fun, sure, throw it in. Yeah. I think that's better. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> well, um, I thought I was really original uh, when we did this campaign about two or three campaigns ago. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to play as a fallen angel. And I was like, oh, that's not even a D&D race. Gotcha, guys. And I mentioned <laughs> that to somebody who's a, a D&D person. He's like, actually, it is. And it's somewhat common. And I was like, well, dang it. Well, yeah. <laughs> my guy was cool because he didn't have a face and he wore a little mask to cover it up. So, hi, you don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>, <laughs> yeah Trying to make it all my we own. Like, we like homebrew. Like, my, my story is very homebrew. I do allow homebrew races and... And classes sometimes, but I always have to make sure I double check them to make sure it's not like too overpowered or anything. Totally. That's one thing um, that we had to kind of look into because I'm currently playing as a human turned into a vampire and we needed to, we needed to decide um, like how vulnerable she was going to be yeah. because she couldn't be immortal. She had to have some weaknesses. Um, and so we kind of came up with our own little rules about how playing as a vampire might work. For sure. Um, and we kind of oh, narratively yeah. what we said is that she after she was turned, she sought out um, someone to like remove or reverse um, what had happened to her and midway through the procedure someone they were interrupted and the guy who was doing it was murdered uh and so she's only she's kind of like half vampire half human and that's sort of how it worked out Mm -hmm. and we we took a a bit of inspiration too from actually uh 
collaborator of the show, Chris Knapp, uh, who we've reviewed some of his supplements before, but he put together a really, really cool uh, sorceress origin class that basically is – the idea is that it's a sorcerer that gains their magic from – a vampiric bloodline and he had a lot of really Ooh. interesting insight into how to balance a vampire and make it or allow it to fit in with a party that doesn't have to only move in the night and um you know how you address a lot of the more common vampire tropes without making a, a player character overpowered or a pain in the ass to play right um and oh, yeah. yeah i think that's a really valuable thing because it's a really interesting type of character to play yeah but it can be an extreme challenge for a lot of players and a lot of dms to incorporate that because often i think when you see really really powerful or really interesting characters that can kind of take over the story and we didn't yeah. we wanted it to not be just a story about uh madame willa Debara. Mm -hmm. we wanted it to be a story about everybody mm -hmm. that uh was in the game so exactly and i think that's yeah. one thing is that because her personality is so nonchalant and kind of whatever about things is that if ever I feel like she's taking up too much attention, I can just be like, oh, well, Willa's just going to go fuck off somewhere. Like, she's just going to be like, mm, this doesn't interest me. I'm out. And like, then it's like, For okay, sure. it's not about her. Like, something else has to happen. Yeah, totally, totally. And that, that's something that you've taken advantage of, I think, uh, quite a few times yes. in, in the last couple of games that we've played. But, but yeah, I, I think those are, you know, Hopefully, the creations that we make today will maybe help inspire our listeners to create characters that will, you know, cause some kind of similarly interesting party dynamics and interesting stories. I think that would be a cool sort of goal to have for this episode is just create a weird, uh, uncommon, maybe kind of fucked up <laughs> party dynamic yeah. here. You know, maybe, you know, whether they get along or not, I think I think often strife can be more interesting uh, often, almost universally, oh yes, the oh, problems yeah. Oh, yeah, are more definitely. interesting than things yeah. going well. So because then that's yeah. part of the journey. If you exactly. have this big issue between your players, it's about like it's kind of like what we talked about in our buddy cop episode. You know, yeah. they have to work together and they have to get through their differences to make it all work. For sure. So with yeah. that all kind of said, um, I, I do also want to sort of highlight here. Uh, this is not just our opinion. We put out a poll on Twitter today, actually, sort of saying like, "Hey, do you do you think that it's more interesting to?" you know, create everything totally homebrew without any, you know, any inspiration from anywhere else? Or do you think it's more fun to draw inspiration from other sources, uh, from movies and TV shows and video games and things like that? And like overwhelmingly, everybody on Twitter was like, yeah, no, dude, I borrow everything. Everything I do is inspired oh. by somebody else. Like it's, it's <laughs> totally. impossible not to do that. Um, we, we had yeah. some, some pretty cool input. Uh, we had, um, uh, actually, uh, Chris Knapp, who I was just talking about here, uh, with the Sorcerer's Origin commentary, he said, one of the most ex unexpected inspirations he ever took was that he made a leader of the Thieves Guild that was based on Fraser Crane, huh, uh, yes. which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> oh and he was, he, you know, basically he said, well, yeah, he, he had extremely refined taste. He was obsessed with the best wine and antiques and furniture. And he used <laughs> really fancy words and he was just, you know, kind of full of himself a I little bit. Which, oh. I think oh, that's uh, so I like great. That too. Yeah. But that makes me think that someone in the party had to have been Niles, too. Oh, you can't have a Frasier without a Niles. Well, there must have been Niles. Niles was, Niles was probably like the wizard's familiar or something. Like, there <laughs> yeah. would have been just like an animal or something. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's great. Uh, there's 
it's important to to look for opportunities, I think, to draw on sort of common tropes and well understood characters because that can really inform your world in really interesting ways. It sort of gives you a, a free in to making something that everyone in your group is going to understand, right? Everybody knows who James oh, Bond yeah. is. So if you make a character that's intentionally inspired by James Bond, there's a lot of interesting baggage that kind of comes with that. And, and uh, a lot of the storytelling foundations can be kind of laid for you. So yeah, uh, that's oh, where yeah. we're sort and of at with this with this episode and this topic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what were you about to say something here? I would say, and I think it also gives like room to sort of improve too. It's like, okay, I first want to play this Let's take the James Bond examples. I want to play a spy character. But yes. say he like gets into shenanigans, and even though he started as a spy and maybe he <laughs> was really serious, he changes into something else because of his experience with the party. Definitely. I, I think te- I tend to be disappointed in characters that end a story in the same way as they started, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone should oh, yeah, some kind of change. Otherwise, what was the point of telling the story? There was actually a really interesting uh, video essay that I just watched. Um, I it might have been the Royal Film Academy, um, mm-hmm. but they Ooh. were asking about why uh, they posed the question like, why was um, the second Paddington movie so phenomenally successful? Like it had a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And he looked at the character and he's like, Paddington is a character who lacks a character arc. He is the same at the beginning of the movie as he is at the end. And he's like, why does this work in this scenario and not work in others? And it was really interesting because he was talking about how Paddington's like goodness and the way that he influences the lives of the characters around him is like what is how the the story gets its arc is that Paddington doesn't need to change yeah but the bad people that he meets he improves their lives and he helps them improve themselves and so it's that kind of simple joy and yet it's a character that does so much for sure yeah I think that oh, can yeah. be valuable too like you this is yeah exactly this is all not to say like you can have a character that is kind of perfect and already has reached their end point in a story. You just have to have something around them change. You know, yes. if you have a character like that, they need to influence the world around them in a significant way. They need to teach someone else something or they need to, you know, show the world, uh, they call, put events in motion that allow someone else to learn something about themselves or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, that can also be a really handy character to have as a DM in your back pocket to just mm-hmm. have somebody come in and say, now I kind of have this all figured out already. You guys are wrong. Let me help you see the light. And, totally. You know, lead the, yeah. the party down whatever path. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, th- you know, we've, We've gone on enough here about our inspirations. Let's get to the part of the show where we do our own little creations here. I think um, what I want to do for this section is first just distribute all of our classes. So we all have a moment to kind of think about what we're going to get to create here. And then as we're thinking about this, I'll be doling out our alignments as well. And Piper, you can get prepared with the random prompts. So uh, as oh, it's a 50-50 shot every week if I forget to mute my phone Mm. or not when I do the (laughs) – when I do the roulette wheel and it looks like this week i did not so let's uh go ahead and just mute that we are spinning the wheel for you here kara your class that you will be whoa there's an ad in this app that's never happened before okay all right uh spinning the wheel now at long last wow the class that you will be designing for us here kara is a ranger so 
Yeah, uh, a, a good um, a good kind of support class. I think I, I know a lot of people kind of talk crap about rangers in this game. Yeah. I think they're interesting because they, they have they they have a cool skill set, and there are I think more interesting story elements to a ranger than there are mechanical elements. Oh so yeah, I'm glad they, it's, yeah, it's actually fun because my first ever character that I ever created for D anD D was a ranger. Very oh, nice. perfect. Okay, so that's, that's great. Yeah, the, you have something to draw from. Yeah, the ideal uh, prompt for you. So, um, being, I guess, probably the more D and D novice of the three of us here, um, how does a ranger differ from like a rogue? Are they very similar? So a ranger is basically like a middle ground between a druid and a fighter. Okay. So they have some magic, they have some like fighting ability, but they're they're good at like tracking and living out in the wilderness. Okay. And they're you know they're kind of the. Aragorn would be considered sort of a ranger. That's what I was thinking. Aragorn, I think, mm-hmm. is a little more leaning towards fighter than anything else. But mm-hmm. um, I've or got a, a class. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Legolas would be probably the the perfect example of a ranger. I think in in mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Uh, Piper, I've got a class here for you. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. All right, you've got a cleric. All right, so my person prays. Yes, you pray. And I do. <laughs> you pray all day. Pray. You pray the pain away. I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> Uh, we've got a ranger, we've got a cleric. This is actually a pretty solid start to a, you know, we've, we've got a support class. We've mm-hmm. got a healing slash support class. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> we also got a cleric. Oh, we got two clerics. We got two <laughs> clerics. Okay. So now imagine, dear listeners, if you will, picture in your mind's eye, a party composed of two clerics that maybe they are clerics of different gods. Maybe they're, you know, they're kind of rival clerics that are like fighting to prove whose god is more powerful, who can do the most healing. Or maybe they're clerics of the same god that are fighting to see who's more devout. And then a ranger that's kind of along for the ride. See, literally the person that popped (laughs) in my head with like clerics being like healers and stuff is like, it'd be hilarious if it was like, so I was just thinking like, okay, two doctors essentially. But it's like, what if one of them was like a brain surgeon and the other one's like a dentist? And the brain surgeon (laughs) is like, I'm a doctor. And the dentist is like, well, I'm a doctor too. And he's like, well, are you though? Are you? <laughs> and my ranger, yeah, my ranger's there. It's like, hey, hey, knock it off, you two. Both yeah, of you trying to very be well. the mediator. <laughs> yeah, we have a peacekeeper. That's good. I, I yeah. think that's a really interesting dynamic that there's the two of us that probably, I mean, look, maybe this isn't where we go with this, right? But I think it's really funny to have you be kind of a third wheel a little bit in our stupid little squabbles about who's the better cleric, right? But, you you know, we're both good at what we do. We both are good at helping people. You're like, I don't really care who heals me as long as somebody does, you know? I Okay, I'm just picturing now, though, like how like funny would it be if um because they're always like competing with each other like if somebody had like a scrape on their knee and like your doctor comes in and he's like oh i'm gonna heal this right up and the next one comes in he pushes him out of the way it's like no you're doing it wrong and they end up like turning the person into a half fish because they're just like squabbling so much they don't heal anybody they make everyone worse for sure for sure yeah. uh, that's an interesting it's it's too many too many cooks in the kitchen too many exactly. clerics in the in the infirmary ward or whatever i like that yeah uh okay piper are you ready to dole out some random prompts for us now that we can base these characters on yes i am and we're doing our prompts then before yes, we do, do... do the prompts because i don't have the alignment chart pulled up yet <laughs> okay <laughs> here let's do this one okay here are three words for us okay we have the words moon fierce and cushion Ooh. um so i think you as our guest if any of those three stand out to you you can choose and then i will ah. Dull the others to Sam and I. Yeah. 
It doesn't matter to me. I was just like, I sort of like Moon. <laughs> moon is cool. Take the Moon. It's all yours. You're a Moon Ranger. I, I kind of right. want to move away from Moon anyway because the last cleric I played was a cleric of a Moon Goddess. Oh, so so yes. I think You'd that would be, be like, on the same toes. yeah, lazy of me to yeah um, to eat my own lunch a little bit. So so Sam, you're gonna get the word fierce, and then I will take cushion, okay. a oh, cushion cleric. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so I've got I've got fierce. Kara, you've got Moon. Piper, you've got Cushion. Yeah. Cushion. Right. Solid foundation for the three of these. Um, nice. I've got some alignments ready for us. Do you have any really quick, immediate thoughts here about these before I before I start giving out our final kind of uh, leading prompt here? Um, nope. Not yet. I want to know who my person is. Okay. The last thing before right. I start good, building. Good thinking. Okay. Yeah. So I think... Uh, for Kara, for you, I've got actually <laughs> uh, an alignment <laughs> that maybe lines up with our earlier kind of little thoughts here you've got true neutral so oh if you gosh. wanted to be a mediator between us you've kind of positioned yourself in the perfect way to to be like I am. the true neutral mediator yeah, yeah. <laughs> um piper i've got one for you here as well yep you are chaotic neutral okay so the difference being you know true neutral is kind of like uh wanting to be amicable in all things right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Yeah, look there's a lot of talk you know alignment charts a lot of people kind of poo-poo on them and say oh no i don't want to that that's like a useless metric right but for the purposes of this i think it's helpful and to kind of give us a define them in our own ways you know everybody defines Mm -hmm. alignments in their own ways the way that i view chaotic neutral is sort of like you look out for yourself but you don't follow any other rules you know you're you're not really about like helping people you're not really about harming people and anything that happens in between those two things is totally fine yeah i looked up a definition here and uh this according to wikipedia says that um a chaotic neutral character is an individual who follows their own heart and generally skirts uh, rules and traditions. There you go. Although chaotic neutral characters promote the ideals of freedom, it is their own freedom that comes first. Good and evil come second to their need to be free. So you're a libertarian, basically. You're Ron Swanson, yeah. essentially. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I like having this kind of like um, me and me first sort of yes. approach to things. Exactly. Which is interesting for someone who is a cleric and who prays and yeah. stuff like that. Um and with cushions somehow. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna muddle on that one. Maybe Sam, you're like your... a salesman at Pier One Imports or something, right? You'll do <laughs> yeah. anything to sell those expensive cushions. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I've got for myself here, lawful good, which I think is good because it's one of the most polarized alignments, right? Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. I could see myself as a lawful good character having it out with either of you for either Kara, your lack of commitment to anything is a true neutral or uh piper your just obsession with only helping number one uh <laughs> as a chaotic yeah. neutral so uh i think that's an interesting and, and i think the lawful neutral is sort of the archetypal paladin alignment as well you know when i when i think of like the classic paladin it's a person that just wants to do good and they follow their god and it's all about like you know being pious and helping people so uh, I, I definitely want to find ways to adhere to that, certainly, but twist it a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So I had one thought that came to me about um, this definition that I looked up for mine um, mm-hmm. about how they mm-hmm. like promoting the ideals of freedom, but putting their freedom first. I feel like this makes me think for my backstory. I think my character um, was uh, like once 
they had their freedom taken away from them. Oh, um, and so, but they, they got that freedom. They escaped from this, uh, like enslavement that they were trapped under for a while. And so now because they known, they know what it was like before to not have like a way to like choose things for themselves. Now that's their first and num- like, it's their number one priority. Um, I like that. I yeah. like that. There's a reason behind mm-hmm. their sort of selfishness, right? You know, that it uh, incorporating traits like that into your story, I think, is important because it stops you from just kind of being a dick for no reason. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Do you guys have any initial thoughts? Because I'm starting to build out my story in my head. I definitely do as well, but I would want to, you know, I, I think I have actually a pretty good idea of it. So mm-hmm. I want to, before I steamroll the rest of the next, the next five <laughs> minutes of this conversation, Kara, I want to pass it to you if you have anything that you want to talk about uh, with your Moon Ranger, your true neutral Moon Ranger. I was going to say, I'd say the first thing when I thought of Moon, I thought nature is like, well, that's obvious with being a ranger. But I was like, what if, I think Artemis is the goddess of the Yeah, Ar- moon, Artemis or at least is the God- goddess of the I know she's the goddess of the hunt. Yeah. yeah, goddess of the hunt. And there's always a balance between like taking what you need and not not exactly for like prizes or glory or anything. I was, thinking, I was thinking my ranger would be a follower of Artemis where she also, she sort of makes sure that the world is always in balance because without balance, the nature would fall apart. I like that. And nice. I, I like that as sort of a twist on maybe the Druidic tradition that, you know, Druids protect the balance of nature by protecting animal kind and maybe staving off the invasions of humans. But maybe you as a ranger protect that balance by sort of, you know, you hunt animals that are getting a little bit too powerful. If a bunch of wolves move into an area, you would go and hunt them so they don't kill all of the elk or, you know, caribou or whatever. Kind of the Mm -hmm. opposite of that, you know, forest protector. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool way to do it. And, you know, maybe you sort of operate by night you you hunt under the light of the moon yeah. because that's when Ooh, you are most that's a good comfortable idea. And yeah yeah Ooh, okay yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot that's a that's a cool foundation for your character what are you thinking for race for yours yeah ooh i haven't thought about race yet i'll pa- say i'll pass it along to you guys and let me think about this <laughs> for cool. sure and did you say that you're going to be playing a female for this one too you know let's go with female <laughs> Okay, cool. Say, I, so I mean to yeah, put that on you. It's sure thing, sure thing. <laughs> well, I, yeah, so that- I was thinking for a lawful good character, I think the most interesting thing about being lawful good is the idea that you as a lawful good character, you think you are right all the time. You right. are like, this is the way things should be. Uh, my code of honor that I follow is the only one that's worth following, right? And I want to I want to take that and sort of corrupt it a little bit, right? So I want to have a character that believes they're lawful good, but maybe sometimes they do bad things in the name of their god or in the name of their moral code. Mm-hmm. So looking at, you know, maybe maybe less a cleric and maybe more sort of an inquisitor or a like a a crusader or something like that. So yeah. they genuinely feel that their god is the only one that's worth worshiping but oftentimes in their attempts to recruit others to their cause they actually do serious harm Mm -hmm. Um, and because they're still following the rules of their god and they probably do more net good than evil they Mm -hmm. still you know would be considered lawful good by most people but Mm -hmm. they definitely are not perfect Uh, your person is fierce too yes exactly so they they are like adamant and and die hard committed to this role like nothing will stop them from pursuing the ideals of their god 
This person makes me think of a Lancelot type character. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, and definitely. Yeah, on their crusade. Yeah, exactly. I think they are not afraid to kill mm-hmm. for their cause. Um, if if they have to do that, they say, "Well, that's just the cost of doing business." You know, um, if they can mm-hmm. save someone, they will certainly. But I think they are definitely sort of more of a warrior priest than a healer. So this is someone who goes around. You know, maybe they they eschew the kind of classic cleric traditions of using maces and and blood weapons and maybe they use a sword uh like a sword and shield or something so they are on the front lines and they're fighting for their god more than they are advocating and sort of speaking and professing the glory of their god nice yeah. So mm-hmm. what I've been kind of muddling over, I think I want my character, I'm going to make um, also a lady and she is a gnome, I think. Um, and the reason why I kind of want to go with that is that I picture my person being someone who they're kind of shifty and jumpy and they're always kind of looking over their shoulder. Um, I think they're, they're a turncoat. Like that, so oh, they okay. they have little loyalty. It's really much like so long as they only to themselves. Exactly, yeah, they're like so long as I stay alive. Like whatever situation comes that keeps me that way, then I have no loyalty to anyone Interesting. except for myself. Like I will, I'll work for you, and I'll work for you, and I'll work for you. But I'm like, it doesn't really matter. What about to your god? Would you say that they have loyalty? To them, or is it really just primarily about their, you know, their God enables them to survive longer? I think definitely loyalty to their God. I think the story that I'm, I'm picturing is that this individual, um, they were enslaved by some ruler and they were kept for their ability to heal. They were like used to like heal um, this bad person who owned them. So every time he was hurt, then it was her job to go and like make him better. And this is kind of taking inspiration from our friend Haley's character that she, yeah, in the backstory that she sure. was playing as in our campaign. But I think what my character, she, something happened where she saw an opportunity. She's like, I'm not going to heal him or I'm going to make him think that I am healing him, but actually I'm going to like poison him instead. Um, And so she did something and it killed him and she got her freedom that way. And so now she's just kind of always moving and staying on the road and looking for whatever opportunity will kind of keep her going forward. I think so. I think that's definitely something that would drive my cleric insane about you is that you are more of an opportunist and you're not committed to one ideal above all or or that the ideal you're committed to is about self-preservation, right? That I think my cleric is definitely, definitely would be a priest of a warlike God, like Mm -hmm. a, like a Thor or something like that, where they would say, you know, we heal ourselves through battle. We are enriched through combat. And that is the number one thing above all else that matters. And the fact that you don't have this righteous vision, you're just about, you know, saving yourself. And, you know, if you have to go and pray once in a while to do it, that's that's how I would see you, right? Yeah. I would see you as maybe like a lazy oh, yeah. cleric. You don't do enough to profess mm. your god's greatness. Well, I'm thinking that maybe like my lady's god must be like a god of like chance and opportunity or yeah. something. And so it's okay. all about like, well, like nothing is certain and you just have to like keep moving. Um, and why invest in something when it could change like that? There's a there's a um, oh, yeah. god in third edition that's like a god of the roads, like a god of luck mm. and, and chance that is mm. often used as a a bardic god i can't think of what he's called right now but uh, i think that would be a perfect one for you one yeah. that's basically a yeah, yeah exactly kind of like a chaotic god that's like you know you serve me but i can't necessarily guarantee you're going to be safe all the time and so i you know, think 
I'm picturing, yeah. I think um, part of her, the way that she prays is she has these dice that she rolls. And like, depending on what symbols come up, that will determine like what she does. It's kind of like, like how, um, or she like just rolls a d20. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yes. No, I just carry around my so own meta. like actual d20. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, exactly. Like those little runes um, and divinations that, yeah, you yeah. throw them up and yeah. she's like, what am I going to do now? Mm, I guess I'm going this way. And like, because it's that's how her god speaks like through that. her. I say it. I think the sort of interesting dynamic of is like my character. We see you guys is like okay. I see what's going on here. You're the hunter. You're the prey. You're trying to survive. You're just one. Yeah. You just want to kill, but you know it's necessary for your cause. So it's like you're hungry all the time. So you must go hunt all the time, and you cannot understand this other cleric because she is prey and she wants to make sure she is safe and sound wherever she is. Okay, I love that. I think that's a really cool way of framing our relationship in terms of like what your character would understand, right? Yeah, if, no, that's if you, really great. If you are a hunter and you see everything as prey or predator, yeah. to define the people that you're in a party with in that way is so interesting. I love that's it. And since great. your whole thing is about like making a balance, you spot this and you're like, I'm going to try and, and balance this out, this dynamic here. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, yeah. Okay, so I think that's a really good kind of origin story here. Maybe you and I ran into each other, uh, our, our two clerics ran into each other at like a church convention or something. Uh, you know what? At, <laughs> you know, we're getting yeah. coffee and donuts after Sunday mass, And right? I was trying to sell you a WWJD <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we got into a heated argument. We took it out into the woods because we didn't want to argue on hallowed ground. That's something we can both respect, right? And maybe this ranger stumbled upon us on the hunt and was like, here is the balance that I can really help achieve, right? I can balance oh, yeah. the forces of these two clerics. That's that's maybe the most important thing for me. I think that's a really cool kind of origin yeah. story that we just stumbled upon each other by chance like that after a, after a Catholic bake sale. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think and I think I decided I think I'm going to have my character be a wood elf. So it says that goes with sense. the nature theme. Yeah. Yeah. I, nice. I mean, that's classic. You know, that's a classic yeah. uh, ranger setting. And I don't think that uh, a ranger race. Uh, why not lean into that that kind of perfect archetype? Uh, yeah. Ranger. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. So yeah. what race is your person? So my character being really stern and fiercely loyal to their god and to their ideals, I think dwarf makes a lot of sense because oh, so oh yeah are close in height so yeah. i don't have to i was picturing yeah. like staring up at you towering above me i i would say dwarf yeah. makes a lot of sense because of just sort of the fervor i i see dwarves as a more like zealous they're race stu- than a lot of others and they're very stubborn yeah yeah too. exactly yeah. exactly they're stubborn and they're they're committed to like certain ideals and i think they are a race that is very different culturally than a lot of others. So they would be used to not being really understood and they would be used to having to convince other people of things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I think dwarf makes a lot of sense. I, I, If not dwarf, I would want to play a race that is less connected, you know, like a tiefling or so- something that is sort of a less understood or a more culturally obscure race. But I think dwarf mm-hmm. just... Sounds really fun. I like uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. we got into like a Scrabble or, or whatever, a fight. A then Scrabble. You're, you're a Scrabble. <laughs> we get into a Scrabble. I, I'm also a Scrabble champion. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Of course you are. Yeah. Um, then yeah. <laughs> your character, your wood elf, would just be able to pick us both up by the scruff and like hold us at arm's length away and be like, you guys knock yeah. it off. Like give us a little shake. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. exactly. 
<laughs> I, I think that's really cool that you're sort of, just, yeah, like you being just the mediator between us. And we're like, these two weird little dudes who argue all the time. I just, I just got to <laughs> shake them out once yes, in a while. Like, you guys knock it off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's really good. Uh, I also like, I, I'm going to roll with that, that uh, I am a Scrabble champion. Definitely. Definitely. Cool. I think I'm very nice. well spoken. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, your guy would definitely be um, yeah. someone who, yes, is always like, but rules are important. I, we have to read all of the rules before we can start to- playing. Totally. I, and I would be like, God, we oh, know yeah. the rules. We've played it a million times. You're like, no, I'm going to read the inside of the box and you are going to listen. They're the worst person to play board games with. Absolutely. Right. They, they oh, approach yeah. board games in exactly the same way as they approach uh, religious conversion therapy. Oh, my God. And every time <laughs> oh, you and I play together, I always just end up flipping the table. For sure. <laughs> it's like, For ha, sure. like, we'll never know who won now, will we? <laughs> Nothing could possibly yeah. ensure. No, that my character would come in. It's like, OK, let's do this again. And I have had perfect memory. Yeah, I can like put the board pieces right exactly where they exactly are. And like, oh my god, let's try this again. Oh, perfect! I <laughs> love like, it. They're playing Risk, and they're like, you know, you've counted up the four hundred individual pieces on the Risk board and where they are. Oh, that's so great! I love that. That's amazing. Okay, so do we have <laughs> names for our characters yet at all? No, have we, we thought don't. about that? Um, literally a name uh, just popped into my head and it was Selena. Selena. I like Selena. that. Okay. Yeah. Selena. The, mm. Yeah. The little, uh, the little gnome lady. The first name that came to mind to me is Annabeth. Is Annabeth. And probably thinking Annabeth. of Greek gods. I love the Percy Jackson series. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Annabeth it is. Yes. Annabeth okay. and Selena. I, I'm thinking, okay, so I'm hearkening back to... Uh, one of my favorite dwarf characters in in any in, in our long running uh, no not Gimli I mean okay. I do love Gimli <laughs> I I do love Gimli I'm not going to pretend I don't love Gimli uh, no uh, Urist actually... our favorite little Irish dwarf from our long running D and D campaign who is kind of the the DMPC character that I put in to sort of be like look we have a lot of people in this game who'd never played before I wanted to have just sort of a, a street smart dwarf guy who could follow the party around and if they get stumped on a puzzle have somebody to sort of be like well maybe you should try and translate the runes under the light of the moon or you know like <laughs> something like that right um and urist was uh yeah. was his name and th- what i thought one of the most interesting things about urist to me was that he didn't have a family name and in the the world that i'd sort of devised dwarves had to earn their family name through great deeds Ooh. so even if you were born into a noble family you didn't necessarily inherit their surname unless you actually worked towards it so you know if your father's mm-hmm. name was urist strong arm but you were born as a little weakling they wouldn't call you that they would call you just urist and you had to go do some great feat of strength to gain that name and if you couldn't achieve that you could go into the world and do other feats that would allow you to achieve a different name um uh, i think our urist in in one of our early sessions earned the name you guys went to this town called mirabar and you rescued their their ruler from he had been falsely imprisoned by like a wizard who took his shape or something like that and uh, urus had this big ass hammer and when you all freed the the ruler they bestowed upon him the title hammer of mirabar and so they called him urus the hammer Mm. after that uh which i thought was a really fun sort of cultural idea yeah um and and Mm -hmm. cool component to attach to him but yeah, you're not going to name your guy Orist also, are you? No, I think I'm going to name him Orist because I like the name Orist. Okay, go for it. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. All right, it's like cool. John. Yeah. Yeah, that had... Orist is like the John of dwarves, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I had a character that was supposed to be like the informational guide for my players for this campaign. And yeah. she is like, oh, here's 
is say her name was Arania, and she was actually this custom race uh, from. It's based off a Homestuck comic. She was a troll. Oh, okay. She was supposed to be like the information guy. It's like if they got lost and they needed to know something, she gave them a scroll of Colorania to summon her to like get her info. They still haven't used a single one, so I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I wonder if you'll even remember it. But I at least gave you that. It's just nice. fun, funny no, what characters. Sure. It's amazing what players remember or and not. Right. Something will stick and something won't. Do we want to try and give up or make a little more information about what brings these three characters together, and then give them sort of a uh, a journey to go on? I mean, oh, I yeah. do sort of like what we've built so far. That there's. Me too. You know, we were we were at like a church event and we got into a heated argument and this ranger just happened to stumble upon us having it out and mm-hmm. it was kind of like a look, I'm gonna I'm gonna set you guys straight. Come with me. I'll I'll show you what's what. And we just ended up, you know, maybe events transpired that in the process of uh this ranger breaking up our fight, we had to get into a you know, into battle together and we saw, well, boy, you guys are pretty strong, you know. I'm not really into your into your politics, but maybe we should hang out together because we can all benefit mm-hmm. from it. Well, I think that um, because Sam and I, we've both given some heavy-ish plot stuff behind our characters. Yeah. I think um, you uh, and your wood elf, you should um, kind of give us more insight into where are they coming yeah. from, where are they going, and how might they bring these two along with them? Yeah, that, yeah. It, what what motivates you to? stop people besides just that it's kind of your calling as a ranger to balance is was there an experience that informed that motivation i feel like to go with the artemis theme i i was raised with a group of hunters and i learned all the ways of the ranger but it wasn't until like this event where maybe i met the goddess artemis and she's like you are truly blessed to heed my word and spread out and bring peace to the world. So she has a holy quest of her own. Okay. Do do you think Artemis maybe recognizes her for her shot is so true? She's the most talented with a bow of all time or something like that. Does she do maybe people like revere her as like in in the world? People say, oh, you are like Artemis reborn or something. And Artemis is like, I guess I should pay attention to you because people revere you. Oh, yeah. I think definitely so. Cool. Cool. So yeah. she's also <laughs> Robin Hood as well. Totally. And maybe yeah. you have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder now because of that, because people revere you so much. You're like, now I have to go and like constantly be showing how great I am. So you're like solving problems mm-hmm. like that because people uh-huh. expect that of you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And say, I bet yeah. she gets pretty annoyed at it at times too. She's like, <sighs> <laughs> she does like a lot of little things like before she meets you two. And she's like, I'm just tired of doing all these small things. I wanted to do something a lot greater and not fix all these little squabbles and stuff. And then I find YouTube fighting. And it's just like, okay, I think I found something yeah. bigger. Cool. They're, well, we're representatives of the gods, essentially, that you're like, we can mm-hmm. dis- solve a dispute between two gods or the proxies of gods. Yeah. And I'm also thinking, too, like maybe, I mean, if she's well known in her area, but she wants something bigger, it's kind of like a big fish in a small pond sort of syndro- syndrome. Totally. And um, yeah. if perhaps one of the things that she wants to avoid is like people's attention on her, maybe she thinks if I travel with these two, no one's going to look at me because they're yeah. like, they can't enter a room without, you know, knocking over 50 chairs and <laughs> you know, like, causing a scene. Yeah, causing like a bar fight every single time they go into it in. Totally. Yeah. Now, what I, I love is, so we've kind of been approaching this 
I think, from the perspective that these are like the player characters in a campaign, right? But imagine you are playing as, you know, just in your game uh, in, in a party of characters and you go into a bar in some random town and you see these three and the way they interact, right? It's just a dwarf and a gnome just brawling, like like Looney Tunes style cloud of dust, <laughs> bra- you know, like little lightning bolts and, and stars shooting out of this cloud of dust and a ranger constantly trying to be like, right, calm down, like splashing water on them trying to get (laughs) them to relax right like how would you react if you saw this happening right i i think this could just as easily be a really interesting sort of rival party to your group you know if you wanted an interesting dynamic to you know imagine every time you go on an adventure they're always just like one step ahead of you and it's so infuriating because they seem like such a (laughs) dysfunctional crew like how are they always you know just beating you to the treasure or just beating you to the job or just beating you to whatever exactly we're like um uh ash ketchum's Uh, rival who like yeah yeah, we're always there oh yeah we have badges we have (laughs) we're always showing up in a convertible full of hot ladies or whatever like gary always was yeah gary gary Uh, Oh, I remember that. <laughs> oh my it's God. hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> also, I have to say, um, I'm imagining when, uh, if you and I, uh, Sam, got into these fights or whatever, your guy would like, like roll up his sleeves and like put up his dukes for like a good old uh, traditional like, yeah, gentleman's yeah. fight. And I just instantly like throw dirt in your eye. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, totally. Like, no like, rules. I don't care. No rules. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah, that would totally be a thing for Orist is that. He will fight anyone over anything, but when he fights you, he will do it with honor, mm-hmm. or at least with what he sees as honor, right? Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, I, I'm biting, yeah. clawing, going for your nads. Totally. Like, whatever I can totally. yeah, well, get away. Well I'm, well, I'm just like, hand on both of you, just like, stop it, stop it. constantly standing in between us yeah so um don't rangers usually travel with animals is that fairly common yeah yeah do you have any pets or other like creatures that could help maybe keep uh us from each other's throats (laughs) hmm what would be a good one that would be interesting if i had an owl bear as a companion see that's so funny because that's what i was kind of thinking is just get the the biggest chunkiest like chubbiest animal to just sit between us like a big snorlax you know just to start every time we fight just roll up and just sit down in the middle of us and we can't reach each other anymore exactly or it could like just like lay down on top of one of us and we're pinned and it's like ah let me up i can't do anything for sure yeah like it pinned the gnome down while i have a headlock on the door right oh my gosh <laughs> and mid all of these like squabbles and fights and scra- and games of scrabble yes yes <laughs> they're constantly the still squabbles. be like people coming up and they'd be like hey you bunch of people who are fighting with one another you seem perfect for this like quest or this challenge that i have you're clearly scrappy (laughs) yes obviously you can maybe figure this thing out i like that okay so let's talk about an adventure that we could all end up on right do we want to maybe talk about something that would be the perfect problem for us to face or something that would be very ill-equipped to face so i think one Mm. thing um based on like one of my main character traits is that because i am not loyal to anyone yes i think whatever the situation is it has to be something that we are trapped in it together yeah and there's no choice because you would betray us at at any chance oh yes yeah Yeah. no she would definitely betray you sell you out try to just run away not want to participate i bet you are constantly betraying us and then we always just run into you the next town over and 
we're like, you, you little scamp, you're <laughs> always doing this to us and we always catch up with you. Well, Sam, I think you would be like, you would be like, I'm going to bring you to justice. But yeah. then um, our ranger friend, I, she'd be like, oh, you were here waiting for us, weren't you? I knew that you cared. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And then, yeah the, okay. and then the moment she knows, like, you're going to like, like after such a long time of us being together, she gets like a third sense of when you're going to leave. And she just then like, while you're asleep, like tie, tie like a rope around you and tap yes. and you can take you to the owlbear. <laughs> Oh my like, god, I was just nope, gonna say, I, my character needs a leash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you'll disguise it as a friendship bracelet, but it won't, like, it tethers me to you, and I can't escape anymore. We would almost certainly both yeah. be constantly waking up in the tight embrace of a giant owl bear, Like, you know, just, like, holding, like, pinning us down, stopping us from running off, and they're like, look, you caused a bunch of damage here. We have to bring back the status quo. We have to fix all this. Like, that's the balance. Yeah. That's the balance today. I feel like that would be actually perfect for our quest. It's like, you two accidentally do do something so stupid that it rippled into a giant effect and i'm just oh, like totally you know, we, it's like you know we have to fix this right it, it would just like be that. like we we started a bar fight that destroyed the entire town and <laughs> just went out of control and now we have to like fix the town or like maybe there was like someone important who was visiting and we didn't know that they were important and we yeah. ended up like punch him in the face and i stole all his money and this person then like decided to like rate wage war on the area because of something we did oh, and now like we that. have to Ooh. go and like make amends for that and so it's a diplomatic mission too which is would not be would not be orist or uh your gnome strength did you write down her name i've forgotten my name no i didn't i didn't write it down okay i thought it was selena i think it's selena selena yeah selena selena and orist would not i i think orist is well spoken i mean he's a scrabble champion obviously he knows a lot of big words mm -hmm. but i think he gets so heated that he's not actually good at expressing himself in the moment you know if he's if mm -hmm. you're like sitting around having drinks with orist mm -hmm. he's probably extremely eloquent but when it actually matters he's just I, you gotta you're you're wrong <laughs> ah, like he just gets so frustrated all the time by everybody where i think selena uh, one oh, of her skills yeah. is that she's very good at like looking at someone and figuring out what does this person want and how can i give it to them yeah totally. um and so she like will be able to kind of silver tongue her way into situations and she's like okay. i can tell that you're someone who likes money i can get you money i got lots of money like do you want money <laughs> like totally like she's very good at kind of like pinpointing pointing someone's interests i like that how, yeah. how do you think that uh what, what was your ranger's name again her name was annabeth was a, annabeth. annabeth annabeth thank you annabeth i'm writing that down now so i don't forget it annabeth yeah i wrote uh, it down too <laughs> <laughs> Smart thinking. What, what do you think annabeth's place in all this is do you think annabeth is constantly trying to be like don't let selena take advantage of you she's trying to sell you a bridge <laughs> or don't let i think, I think it depends on all angry. the situation i feel like if it's to the advantage of our situation, I would let Selena lie, and hopefully that would get us <laughs> to the next step of our process. Or if Oris needs to do some fighting, and it's just my ranger would be like, okay, just this once. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You, yeah, you're sort of like, the, you know, in, in Avengers when Captain America's like, Hulk, smash. You're sort of the person that lets us loose a little bit. Maybe you come oh, yeah. to understand our strength so well that you're like, I know when we need somebody who just has to get angry and pontificate and get, get up on his soapbox. And I know when we need somebody who can be a smooth operator and kind of, you know, maybe manipulate people a little more deftly yeah and when to keep us out of the situation <laughs> entirely and let it resolve itself um yeah. i had a thought uh going off of if we're all on board for maybe this idea of like a war started because of something that we did i love this idea I okay think it's great. i like cool. that idea I think, too yeah 
Awesome. Yay. Okay. So one thing I was thinking of, something that would make uh, Selena stay is so like if we find out like the day after or the week after, however long it takes to be like, oh my gosh, we are responsible for this. Um, Anna... Beth, Annabelle, yes. Annabeth, yeah, Annabeth, of course. Annabeth. Yes, she would of course be like, okay, we have to fix this to, for the sake of balance. Uh, your urist Sam would be like, well, it's this is the right thing to do, like the just thing. I yeah. have to like stay and fix this. And f- for Selena, she would want to like obviously run from the situation, like she always does. But I think you guys would convince her by saying this person is so powerful and their reach spreads so far, you can never outrun him, and he knows that you're responsible. You have to stay and fix this, otherwise you'll never be free from him so it's the convergence oh, of yeah. all three of our ideals finally exactly it's, it's my oh, zealotry yeah. your self-interest and your uh, annabelle's annabeth's interest in helping things balance, balance and problems, equality. maintaining the yes. balance yeah. yeah awesome so i think that's what convinces selena to stay and work with you oh, that's guys perfect the triforce unites Yay. finally <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> truly <laughs> i love that okay i i think that's awesome do we have any sort of do we want to talk about repercussions here from this or do you want to like kind of play this out a little longer or do we think this is an interesting place to leave this kind of open-ended for our listeners i feel like open-ended is a little best because if we get into more details it's going to become a session and we don't yeah. have like actual game oh, yeah. sure. stuff for like sure. that worked out yeah. um that's it i think it's definitely a good base for someone to base for it no totally well i, I was gonna say I, I think we've created three really interesting characters and we kind of completely ignored the idea of drawing upon outside influences but i i think we just sort of <laughs> you know we got a little bit wrapped up in how cool these things were on their own and uh, i mean i guess it's- you know i i Maybe my guy's a little influenced by Thor because he's a Thor worshiping god, and he's a little bit influenced by the the Monty Python Spanish Inquisition, like really over the top, uh, <laughs> like overzealous uh, cleric like guys. I don't know. Do you feel that you, either of you have tapped into anyone out there in other forms of media at all, or? I feel like just with this character type, it's easy to just be like, well, this sounds like a Johnny uh, Jack Sparrow. But I feel like that's yeah. like, because he's like the oh, definition yeah. of a chaotic neutral. Isn't oh, he? totally. Yeah. Totally. He's so, the most self-interested mm-hmm. character of all time. Yeah, exactly. But I'm also picturing somebody who's kind of just sort of spineless, but I can't think of any specific characters. So yeah. I guess I'll just be like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> a Jack Sparrow character. Yeah, it's a, a real chaotic neutral move of you, Piper. Yeah, totally. <laughs> to <make>. uh, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Kat? I was going to say, with the little Avengers thing that you got on, I was just like, I am sort of similar to Captain America. I try to keep everything together and like see the strengths totally. and weaknesses and everything and make a play on it. It's like, okay, you could do that and then I'll do this and then we'll be able to get everything done. I, I like that. Yeah, that, nice. these are these are good roles for us all that we've all kind of naturally fit into, I think, in this group. So yeah, yeah. there you go. Take that, Avengers. Woo. Ch- talk about <laughs> the ultimate crossover, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's good. Uh, so let's go ahead then, and at this point, I think move on into the next segment of the show here, our rec room. Yeah. Uh, and this week, Kara, uh, I think you have some cool recommendations for our listeners. What do you want to talk about today? Uh, one of them is more well-known, which is Call of Cthulhu. But another one that people may not know is Dungeons & Destiny, which is a, similar to my Hollowed Kingdoms, is a whole D&D, which is actually built from the straight up even though it does have some is built on the core rules and it has its own separate like rules to it but it's based on destiny 2 and oh, in most okay so 
when you mentioned this earlier, I was just like, oh, cool, Destiny. I didn't even consider the fact that it was based on that Destiny at all. Is this a game or something? Yeah. yeah uh, De- Destiny was the – Bungie, the team that made Halo, was sort of their first independent game that they released after being freed from the yoke of Microsoft's uh, rule, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the interesting about Dungeons & Destiny is that as a Guardian, you can't technically – die i mean you can but it's only in certain circumstances i don't know a lot about destiny i just got introduced to this by my other group mates for my group because they're very big destiny fans and they found this where they have this little robot that is connected to them and they basically brings them back to life whenever they die no matter where they are and he's voiced by peter dinklage sometimes uh yes (laughs) which is how that kind of worked. weirdly in, in, in the first game he's voiced by Peter Dinklage and then Peter Dinklage apparently hated doing voice acting or something like that <laughs> so for the expansion they just like changed it and then didn't call him again for the second game <laughs> I like the idea of a robot that won't let you die. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I can see a character being very frustrated by it. It's like, just let me go. Yeah, absolutely. I also feel like Destiny makes a lot of sense to cross over with D&D because it's, you know, it's a a first-person shooter, but it's a loot-based shooter. It's kind of got that Borderlands kind of randomly generated weapon kind of concept going for it um i i like the idea of turning that into a tabletop game i think there's a lot of interesting space to explore there uh that we mm-hmm. can call that a no pun intended because it's a sci-fi yeah <laughs> a sci-fi go. game you live on the moon or whatever um yeah i i think that sounds like a really interesting thing where would people yeah. be able to find that if they wanted to look more into that is there a, Twitter uh, or a they, Tumblr, uh, website uh they actually have their own website it's D&D, yeah. des- it's dnddestiny.com. So it's D-N-D-D, then you know, like Estiny, then... We'll, we'll put check, a link in the show notes for Yeah, we'll put a link in Yeah, that would make yeah, it easier. Of, <laughs> yeah, the title, yeah, the title is like, it just flows together. It's hard to say it it's in like gives like oh it's sea and destiny but it's like wait how do you spell that it's like cool. like ah, you had to actually spell it but this one is closer to my heart because when my players this is way before hollow kingdoms began it's like my players would wanted to play this style of game and we are going to we already got the characters made it's just we're waiting for my my campaign pretty much to end to maybe start another one but mm-hmm. it's a, it actually got me the idea of making my making hollowed kingdoms cool because so I never just the idea of like adapting another world to this D and D. Yeah, setting. yeah, and I thought it was so cool how I looked through their player guide, and I think they and they have a bestiary too, and it, it was so cool how they adapted it. And I was just like, I would love to do that, and that's how it, it just really inspired me. That's great. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's kind of how I think. Like. Whenever I think about people taking like an existing world and wanting to adapt it to like a game or a role play situation, it makes me think it's like you wanted to write a fan fiction about it, but you're actually yeah. playing. You're instead of writing it, you're like playing it out with rules and things like that. Totally. Um, it's like, well, I mm-hmm. want to live in the Harry Potter universe, so uh, let's let's make this happen in D and D form or whatever it is. Absolutely, it's it's gamifying yeah. your fan fiction. Essentially. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really yeah. fun. I mm-hmm. think that's neat, and I think it is important to look for opportunities. To do that, right? You know, um, building on what other people have created is a really, really great creative exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, It gives you a really strong foundation for iteration. And, you know, you can easily say, well, this thing exists, but there aren't stats for it. Or these stats exist and there isn't a drawing of it. Or, you know, it, it, it creates naturally a space for you to just build bigger. Um, and that's really what we want to obviously encourage people to do with this show. So obviously looking out for systems like this, uh, D and destiny, 
uh, .com, uh, Dungeons and Destiny, mm-hmm. finding people that are doing that already and, you know, things like the Hollowed Kingdoms, like finding people who you can kind of jump on board with and, and collaborate with, I think is a really, really valuable thing. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's Wait. go ahead and look out for those moving forward. Piper, what do you got to say about it? Definitely. I've got actually one more recommendation. Yeah, go um, ahead. So we might have mentioned this on the show before, but there's an incredible YouTube channel uh, called A Crap Guide to D&D. Of course. And, oh, um, yes, I love it. Yes, they're so good and they're just like so funny and always on point. Um, but it was, I was thinking about that earlier because of, you know, us, you know, going off of these different classes and understanding their different tropes and things. So if you want a good laugh and a good overview summary of what all the classes are, you should look up a crap guide to D&D totally. on YouTube. Um, oh, yeah. And, and also, speaking... No, links to that in the show notes. Yeah, I say, actually, speaking of Crap Guide DD, the Joe Cat, the creator of that, actually did yes. a, a stream for playing Hollow Knight. Oh, awesome. Say, awesome. I, yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, say, I say, my boyfriend found it. He's like, Kara, Joe Cat is doing Hollow Knight. And I was like, wait, what? And I say, I haven't finished it quite yet because they're <laughs> long streams, but. That's oh, like, that's so fun. My favorite thing is, you know, when I watch a guy who's like a Dark Souls streamer or something like that, and I've seen him play hours and hours and hours and hours of this game, and then suddenly I see him play another game that I love. Like, you know, they'll go play The Witcher or something, and I'm like, whoo, oh. <laughs> It's like seeing <laughs> yeah. a dog walk on a tiny legs or something. It's so nice. Um, yeah. Well, we love this other uh, YouTuber named Dunkey. Yes. Um, uh, everybody knows Video Game Dunkey. Yeah, yeah. Video Game Dunkey. Oh, yeah. And. Uh, the other night I saw that he had a video, um, it was from like a year or so ago, where he did essentially a long-ish review of Undertale, yeah. and watching mm-hmm. him play that was such a treat. Yeah. That was an interesting <laughs> thing for Dunkey, too, because I think Dunkey walk- Dunkey fills such a crazy space that, generally speaking, if you're a video game guy on YouTube or Twitch or whatever, you pretty much do one style of gameplay. You either review things, or you play things, or you make parodies of things, and Dunkey just sort of does it all. Does whatever he, he wants. Fills yeah exactly like i don't know i think he's really (laughs) unique in that space that he can just do whatever and it works you know two weeks ago he released a video called like these birds crack me up and it was just five minutes of trains and at the very end it was two birds like fighting and it's like what an amazing thing to be able to just create freely like that and you are whatever it is that you produce is eaten up by your fans i think that's so cool good for donkey uh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. donkey has like millions of followers we don't need to yeah. like brag about how cool donkey is Everyone if anything donkey, unfollow yeah. him to <laughs> yeah. bring him down yeah, to our yeah. sure. <laughs> <Donkey> yeah. <guy>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah those are some really great suggestions for people to follow and uh if you want to follow us on social media or anywhere outside of wherever the heck you are right now listening to this podcast you can find us of course on twitter at worldforge pod and if you have any feedback for us or any fan fiction or fan art or fan mail that you want to send our way please feel free to reach out to us on uh, at gmail at worldforgepod at gmail.com mm-hmm. we would love to see any fun creations or uh, you know anything that you're working on that's inspired by what we've done or that is an improvement upon what we've done pretty much anything you do will probably be an improvement upon what we've done uh, we always see everything that you guys send us is always just so cool and so exciting to us so uh keep all that coming we always just really really love it and uh if you want to follow kara kara one more time where are you at that people can find you 
They say I have my Twitter is at Kara A Harris Book, and I and the official Hallowed Kingdoms Tumblr page is hallowedkingdoms.tumblr.com. Wonderful. So we'll again have notes to all of that, uh, links to all of that in the show notes. If you want to, if you want to find ways to support our show for free, please <laughs> consider leaving us a review and a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher or on whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast. It really is tremendously helpful for us. It goes so far towards getting our podcast in front of new listeners uh and also which is really exciting for us so it gives us a nice little ego boost and also helps expand our reach so every time you do that we come one step closer to world dominion which is the ultimate goal of this podcast obviously Adoy. uh so yeah. please oh, yeah. consider doing that <laughs> leave us a review go check out kara go check out us on twitter and we will look forward to seeing you again next week where we talk about another really exciting topic for us uh thank you everybody and goodbye bye now Bye.